it's better just to stick with basic things and not try to get too worked up with like heavily technical stuff. It's best sometimes to just keep it simple and let the ideas like really stand out on their own. Mosquito. Welcome back to the EDM Podcast. I am Sam Matler, your host, uh, and today's episode is episode number 43. Now, for the past week and a half, uh, my voice has been absolutely ruined. I had a bit of a cold, uh, and it's just coming back now, so I've waited as long as I can to record this intro. Hopefully, it doesn't sound too bad. Uh, but in today's episode, I'm joined by Australian producer Dave Winnell. If you're not sure who Dave is, you should be. He's done official remixes for artists such as Clean Bandit, 21 Pilots, Hardwell, and Armin Van Buren, who he's recently done a collaboration with, uh, and many more, of course. In fact, he was one of the most sought-after remixes in 2015. If you look him up on YouTube, if you type in Dave Winnell, you will see a ton of remixes pop up. Uh, he's obviously done a lot more than that. He's got some great original releases, but I'll let you listen to the interview to find out more about that. And in this interview, we talk about a number of things, including how Dave got into music production, what his daily schedule looks like, his advice for new producers, production techniques he believes are overrated, and his sample pack on Splice called For The Win, which I highly, highly recommend. I've been using it a lot. I love it, and I'm sure you will too. So I do hope you enjoy the interview. Remember to leave a review and rating on iTunes if you do. It only takes a minute, and it really does help. You can go to edmprod.com slash iTunes uh, to do so. Without further ado, here is Dave Winner. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back to the EDM podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by Dave. Dave, is it Winnell or Winnell? It's uh, Winnell. So it's actually Winnell, but that's too hard to understand. So Winnell. Gotcha. You can call me whatever you want, though, Dave. <laughs> Davo. Davo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, how's it going? It's good. It's hot. I've just yeah. been for a run, so sweating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I want to go all the way back to the start. How did you initially get into uh, DJing and production? Tell us a bit about your background. Jeez, it's a long way back. Um, I think I was like 13 or 14, and I went to my first under rave rave. And the music they were playing was like super underground, like even more underground music than I would go to a club and listen to today. And there was just something about it that really clicked with me. And I was like, I want to be up there. I want to do that. 
and I kind of like saved up every money that I got after that. I worked at McDonald's. Yeah. Like school just went out the window. I was just <laughs> working, 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 saving up to buy like records and turntables. And um, yeah, ever since then, pretty much all my money's gone on DJing. It's pretty funny. And how did you make the transition? Um, actually, two questions. Were you, was this the time where like vinyl was? was the go-to or were the CDJs? Yeah, it was vinyl. Um, I was only DJing in my bedroom, but it was still yeah. vinyl. So I think my first deck was like a belt drive, a Newmark belt drive. It's, it was so bad. Like Ooh. you couldn't scratch without the needle bumping off. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, and then I finally made the transition to CDs, which, which I didn't really enjoy too much because you had to um, – bloody burn cds and stuff which was annoying yeah so there then i moved on to using ableton and um like a midi controller but now i'm back to cdjs why is that i'm curious um i i just missed the whole like touching the the cd player and Mm. with ableton it's kind of a lot could go wrong kind of like Mm. there's a lot of buttons to go wrong and also the sound quality wasn't like wasn't there i could tell when the next djs would jump jump on after me like the the sound quality was just so much louder and better mm-hmm. i know you can always just turn it up but there was just it's just missing that like oomph yeah, so, yeah and you can't like you go into a club just with like two usbs and headphones is <laughs> so cool exactly yeah yeah it's much much easier than carting like the vinyl around oh, from back in the imagine. day I can imagine. So, how did you then get into production from DJing? Um, I guess it's kind of like a natural thing as a DJ to want to play around with um, producing. But I kind of it got a little bit more serious when I was actually DJing in clubs, and I wanted to make like remixes mm. of um, popular songs or old songs. I think like my first proper like remix was. Um, uh, the Timberland song, Apologize, which right. was like really cool at the time. And it was around then when I was like getting more serious into the producing. A f- funny story about that remix is actually um, someone bootlegged it, like my copy. They actually like pressed it on vinyl and sold it in wow. like record stores overseas. And I bought it for 60 euro. <laughs> Wait, so so was this an official or unofficial remix? No, it was an un- unofficial remix. Yeah. But someone like stole it off my MySpace, I think. Wow. And then and then pressed it to vinyl and um sold it in Germany. That's and, that's kind of crazy, man. Yeah. So I bought <laughs> I bought a copy so I could like have on the wall at home. Yeah. Isn't that highly <laughs> illegal as well? Well, that I think that kind of thing used to go on like Back in the day. It's kind of like Zippy Share today. Oh, true. I mean, I suppose um, you don't own the rights if it's in an unofficial no. remix. So. Yeah. But when they like put it on vinyl, they didn't put my name on the record. They like oh. used some fake thing. So, I did you know. just- So, how did you come across it then? Did you just happen to listen to it? No, someone actually sent it to me on MySpace, which oh. was weird because, yeah, I had like 10 fans or something. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty weird. <laughs> Man, that's that's a cool story. So, um, so you've put out a a ton of remixes. Actually, I I wanted to ask you: Do you think there's a difference between producing originals 
and remixes and and if so what is that difference oh it's so much easier doing remixes i could do like a remix almost pretty much in a day but like an original just i don't know the the brain the way the brain works is like totally different the remix is kind of is like a final thing in mind and it's like pretty much you got to make that for the dance floor but with an original you're kind of trying to please yourself like Mm. your record labels your fans and it's so much harder but yeah yeah no i totally agree uh what advice because i get this question a lot from people they want to know how to to make more official remixes you know how, how do they pitch labels how do they pitch artists um what was your approach to all of that uh you know because you've put out like, yeah i had the list somewhere um remixes for armin clean bandit yeah. hardwell yeah, it's like been a lot. Know, how did <laughs> um, how did all that come about well it's i guess it's like a slow kind of progress like um from the start like i was doing a lot of remixes just for friends and stuff and building like a relationship with labels mm. and then obviously you kind of build up a bit with them and um and then they'll start throwing you like paid work so at the start i was doing a lot of free ones um but another good tip is to if you have a song that you want to remix just do a remix of it send it to the label and be like what do you think of this remix mm. do you guys want to release it or something that's happened i've done that three times and three times they've actually released the remix they've like sent me the parts one of them was um for sia um can't remember the song now so many years ago um and another one was for calvin harris so it is (laughs) yeah that's awesome uh so so talking about an original track of yours that you've recently put out mosquito interesting name interesting yeah. tune actually how did that track come about um so it's just one of those little ideas that i had lying around um in my project folder at home and i was sitting like in my studio working one day and this little mosquito was buzzing around because where i lived there's like heaps of trees and stuff mm-hmm. and I always get mosquitoes at night if the doors open and i was like oh that little bastard he was like <laughs> and i'm like it kind of sounds like that lead in this song i have and i was like yeah i'm gonna finish that <laughs> call, it, call it mosquito i recorded me and my mate saying mosquito pitched it down and yeah. you know all that stuff and uh, yeah it's probably one of my favorite tracks i've done i think yeah were it's there any like simple dirty yeah i love it man uh were there any kind of challenges because i love asking this question um because some producers especially new ones seem to think that professionals just always nail it and it's always easy uh but were there any challenges that you faced through throughout the process of working on that song um of course like that one that one actually was just sitting on my computer for like over a year like Mm. the basic idea and then it wasn't till um actually saw the mosquito in my studio that i was like i might finish that so yeah inspiration sparks from anywhere but there's so many ideas like that that I have sitting around that will never see the light of day just because uh, I haven't got time to finish it or, you know, I'm bored with it. But, yeah, there's always always challenges, um, not really the technical. It's more like mm. the the ideas and, yeah. 
the will to finish something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What would the, if you could take a guess, what would the ratio be between uh, released songs to just started projects? Uh, 10% release probably, mm. or maybe even less. That's, everybody says that. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but then um, there's also like finished songs that never come out too. Mm. I, I would say the ratio of that would be like 50-50. Right, right. Obviously, the ones that don't come out is for a reason because they're not very good. Or yeah, yeah. Or something. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, how how do you start a track then? Do you start with an idea or, or a sound effect, a chord progression, or does it just change every time? Um, so sometimes I might be like working on a different project, and then something might pop up, a sample or something. Then I'll be like, "That'd be cool to save." to start a project next time or whatever. And then I'll save that somewhere. Uh, other times I might like accidentally write chords or something while I'm working on a different song as well. And mm. I'll save that. Very rarely do I ever just go, okay, here I'm going to blank canvas and start. Mm. Um, sometimes like a vocalist might send me uh, vocals or something and then I could start writing around that. But yeah, very rarely I actually just sit there and, start something from scratch gotcha and and is there any kind of set uh because i know that for me like i i find it easier to work in kind of a systematic um way so i start with the idea arrange it and then focus on the mixing obviously you have to mix as you go along to some extent yeah um do you do that or do you just kind of play it by air work on what needs to be worked on or do you have some sort of system that you follow I guess there is a bit of a system. I normally work on the the drop, like the dance the dance section, mm. and then take bits from there to work on the break. I guess, um, but yeah, I'm always back and forth. But it's yeah. always it's always normally the the dance part that I that I work on first. Makes sense though, because it's it's the most important part. Important part, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah I recommend that to to a lot of producers. Now. If someone had, because we've got a lot of, of new producers listening to this, you know, some people have been producing for a couple of weeks. Uh, if someone had six months to become a decent producer or as decent as you can become in six months, what would you suggest they do in addition to just spending a lot of time making music? Um, I'd get rid of the PlayStation for starters. <laughs> <laughs> I'd cancel my Netflix account. Yeah. Um, no, I'd watch. Um, I'd watch a lot of like YouTube tutorials. There's so many good um, sound design ones on mm. on YouTube. Like how to make this lead. Don't just steal the preset, but actually like go through the steps of trying to design that sound. Um, and I would try not to use too many synths and samples. I'd try to just stick with um, the main ones. Um, the main ones that you want to use. So I use um, Serum. I still use Silent Peeps. Mm. I use Massive. I've got a lot of others, but I kind of just try to stick to those because um, I know where like my favorite sounds are and yeah, I've saved yeah. a lot of favorites. Um, yeah, I listen to a lot of music too. So like if you're out on the bus or something, have always have music so you can be listening to new stuff, seeing how thinking about how they've made it and stuff like that do you um, listen to sorry to interrupt do you listen to yeah. anything 
um, like outside of electronic music to get get ideas and inspiration? I do actually. Um, one of the things I have like a weekly thing that I have written down that I try to do every week, and one of them is um, going to a record store mm-hmm. and just listen to to anything really. Um, I always go into like the world music area or the jazz section, yeah, yeah. disco section, and I I try to like buy it. They're pretty expensive these days. Like some kind, sometimes they're like over thirty bucks just for like an old record. Oh. But um, yeah, I try to buy some and just listen to it when I'm cooking dinner and stuff like that at home too. It's I love like a that. nice, nice vibe in the house going. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good idea. Um, yeah, yeah. I rip I, stuff, rip, yeah. rip stuff off the vinyls too. Um, every <laughs> now and then, like I'll use a sample here and there. But I was actually yeah, going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually made like a proper like a song out of like a, using like the sample as the main part, but yeah. I've put things here and there right right but i think i think it's cool just listening to all different kinds of music oh for sure man. and and turning it into a habit like you've talked about i think is super important um yeah because i've certainly said oh yeah I should, I should listen to more a more diverse range of music uh, but it never yeah. happens because i don't have a habit um another so- another tip is to um is to get out there and collaborate with other people because mm. it's like it's one of the main one of the best ways that i've learned tips is from other people just like watching over their shoulder and being like hey what, what was that little button you clicked and then they'd be like oh you didn't know this and then you'd be like oh that's awesome and then you'd be showing them something and it, it's like really cool to bounce back and forth and get ideas from each other oh totally uh one thing though that a lot of people struggle with is actually finding those people to collaborate with in the first place what advice yeah. would you give to them? Um, well, if you don't have friends that aren't producing, I, I feel sorry for you because I've got so many friends. Pretty much all my friends are producers. So mm. um, if you don't have friends that are producers that you can't collab with, I'd say like go into the clubs and like make friends with, with DJs because they all produce and yeah, just get out there and meet people. It's like you can collab over the internet, but then you wouldn't learn the those tips that I was talking about. Right, for sure, for sure. Yeah, nothing beats um local collaboration. No. So following on from that, then what are some of the biggest mistakes you see new producers making? Um, or DJs for that matter. Yeah. Uh, some of the biggest mistakes is sending like really bad music to to DJs before it's ready. I know everyone I know everyone's at a level where um their music's not going to be as good as it should be to be released and stuff, but um I think you should try to like get it pretty good before you start sending it to DJs because they're going to remember you for what you've sent them, if that makes sense. Mm, oh, yeah, of Un- course, yeah. Unless you're asking for feedback and that kind of thing. Um yeah, if you're asking for help, send whatever, send a kick drum loop or whatever. But yeah, if you want to release music, it should be it should be at a releasable standard, I think. Otherwise, people will remember you for that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Do you have any uh, routines, habits or tricks that you use to overcome creative block? If you even get creative block, some people don't get it at all. 
Uh, drinking wine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, stepping away from from working is a good is another good thing too. Um, if, if it's not working, just just stop and do something else. Go play the PlayStation or get out of the house or something, mm. and just try again tomorrow. Um, even like having a good week off is like a really good refresh. Um, getting inspired by like going to festivals and clubs is like a really good way to kickstart inspiration. Um, yeah, I I like to drink wine late at night when I'm producing. I think it helps. Yeah, it's like makes it a fun event. I like to give that a go. Yeah, I and think, you need I've, nice, I think I've done it. <laughs> yeah, we've all done it. Coffee is coffee. That's another oh, good man, coffee's uh, an, an essential. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And you also need nice lighting in the studio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice lighting is essential. The um, <laughs> the blue or, or green backlight. Yeah. I love that stuff. Um, what, what does your daily schedule look like in terms of, of, you know, how many hours you've been producing and what do you do outside of production to kind of decompress, if you will? Um, so I'm pretty lucky that my that I can do producing or DJing for a living. So I basically get up um, around eight, nine o'clock, have a coffee. I have one of those like European coffee things that you put on the stove and it like heats up. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's perfect. Um, And I just jump, jump on the computer in the studio, check emails and just slowly start working for the day. Um, coffee uh lunchtime i normally go get another coffee and sandwich or something like bike around bike around the town come back to the studio afternoon i'll go for like a jog or something just have a break and then i'll hit dinner and then who knows that night i might just play the playstation or hang with the girl or something or you know watch a movie or something gotcha sounds pretty balanced to me yeah (laughs) and then yeah some nights i'll be like this is it. I'm going to like work all night and have wine and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are always good sessions. Yeah. To like the 1am, 2am and you're so overtired that you're just extra creative, you know? Yeah. <laughs> then then you try to go to sleep and it just doesn't oh, work. Man. <laughs> uh, what is, this might be a hard question to answer, but what is a production technique that you believe is underrated? Or, or not uh, used enough. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what is overused. I think like um, like being too technical is... Yes. Um, I think like like using compressors and all this and like EQs. Well, EQs is pretty important, but like getting too worked up about like compressors and stuff, I think it's better just to stick with not stick with but like other times just whack like a saturator or like a distortion or something on it to to limit instead of using like a compressor and yeah i think it's good to just stick with basic things and not try to get too worked up with Mm. like heavily technical stuff like routing stuff and rewiring and oh god like i think it's best sometimes to just keep it simple and let the ideas like really stand out on their own. 
I'm so glad you said that because uh, because I totally agree, and I have a firm belief that uh, most electronic music producers overuse compression. Like they yeah. feel they need to add it to to every instrument because that's what the internet tells them to do. Yeah, and we'll talk about spending five minutes on compressing a hi hat or something. Oh, but- it's- it's just stupid. <laughs> yeah. And I think like um, also don't get too work carried away with like layering sounds. Mm. A lot of people like will want to try to make a sound bigger. So they'll layer more sounds. But in actual fact, if you want to make it bigger, just like one sound will, will obviously sound bigger because it's like you can make it louder and bigger in the mix. Yeah. We had, um, you know, Zach Waters? fellow Australian yeah yeah Yeah, he came on the show and and he said that in his I think it was his faces remix or something there were 19 tracks you know wow that's that's impressive it's just really simple and he said yeah he he, that was intentional because he doesn't feel like he's good enough to mix you know a ton of 100 channels um and that track sounds phenomenal so he would know his tracks they sound massive too so yeah yeah, keep it, keep simple. it simple, guys. A <laughs> um, few more questions, Dave, and then we'll wrap this up. If you could collaborate with one person, they don't have to be a producer, who would it be and why? Uh, I'd love to work with um, Hans Zimmer and John Williams oh, yes. on a movie score one day. That'd and I've just amazing. seen um, Hans Zimmer has like a, a online music course the masterclass yeah, yeah yeah that's gonna be unreal i can't wait for that dead mouse yeah. has one as well and the dead mouse yeah which it's so cool which will be interesting yeah uh, probably funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh one thing i really want to talk about is your your sample pack on splice it's called for the win i yep. downloaded it probably two weeks ago um or maybe so- a week ago actually uh it was very recent and I love it. It's amazing. What made you decide to put it together? Tell us a bit about it. Well, I already had like a bunch of samples sitting around. Um, every year I make a new folder. It's just called export samples. And whenever I'm working on a track and I have something that I'm like, I might use that again, I'll export it out into that folder. Mm. So I was like, why don't I get all this together and put it to splice and see if they'll release it. And I hit them up and they'll down for the idea. And I was like, sick, let's make it happen. And then, um, I went through like all my unfinished projects and bounced out heaps of stuff that will never get used again. Mm. So I was like, may as well not go to waste. I'll put in the, the sample pack. Um, yeah. So it was something that I was on the road when I was touring and didn't have anything to do. I was like, um, going through all the samples and putting it together for everyone. For sure. I'm going to leave a link to that uh, in, in the show notes because it's a great sample back. I've used quite a few things. Yep. Yeah, um, Splice is awesome. I love, oh, yeah. love using Splice. Yeah, I, I remember when it kind of started up, a lot of people were complaining because it was like, oh, it's $8 a month. And I'm just thinking, come on. <laughs> it's yeah, so cheap for, for what it is. Sample packs are like over every sample pack on like the earth is over eight dollars anyway exactly so. and, and and at least 50 percent of it is useless yeah well, not all of them but, but yeah quite a you few. might get like one sample out of a sample <laughs> pack or something. yeah no splice is awesome um what's coming up next for 
for Dave Winnell? Uh, so next, um, I'm actually planning on moving over to Europe, into to Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. Um, next year, around March or so. <clears throat> so I'm looking forward to that. I'm just trying to see how I can make it work. Um, I've got a single coming out with my good mate Alex Preston. He's from Sydney. Yep, yep. That's on Amada. Working on tunes for Axtone. So heaps going on. I've got like four different songs that are about 90% finished. I'm just trying to finish them off in the next week or two. Oh, that's exciting, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks heaps for coming on the show. Uh, one last question. Do you have any words of advice uh, for the listeners? Any last words uh, of advice? Popcorn, not pills. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Mosquito.